Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I think I'm going to, on the handout, I think I'm going to talk about anxiety. Let's talk about it for a little bit. Um, how many have ever had anxiety? What is anxiety to you? Fear. Well, you know, one thing to remember that I'm trying to increase your vocabulary for what's really happening in your life. Do you know that? Yeah. Because it's kind of like if um, if you came to me and you said, I need healing, and I said, what hurts, and you just said everything. That's It's hard to, um, you know, part of what I feel like God's called us to is He's called us to connect, um, to bring things from heaven down to earth, yeah. right? Yeah. Y'all believe that, right? And so it's much easier if I know that you cut your finger off like you prayed for that girl. It's much easier, Pam, just praying for this guy that has had trauma to connect the thing that really is in the moment that God is breathing on and healing. That's just a good example. So it's the same thing with our emotions. You know, we're moving away from everything's just weird. Right? That's not a good... That's not... We... Our emotions have more experience than we have language for already, right? And so part of the human connection, especially with other human beings, is think of it like if you had a thousand points on this hand and you wanted to connect with a thousand points on somebody else's hand and you could identify 12 and 12 are going to be connected 992 are going to be connected. It's kind of like that for me emotionally. To to the degree I can describe how I feel is the degree that I have the capacity to explain to you what I need, therefore have a connection with you in a place of what I really need, as opposed to I just feel weird and somebody pats you on the back and says, well, I'm sorry you feel weird. I felt weird before too. Let's go get an ice cream or whatever. That's not really answering anything. Agreed? So would you agree tonight that you need more language? Right? Agreed? And your emotional well-being is really important to God. Everything God made is important to Him. Everything God made is important to Him. So let's don't discount the stuff He made because we don't understand it. Education, I'm an educator, so education is available. I'm going to educate you tonight about anxiety. Now, let's talk about, you know, there's a worldly definition of anxiety, and it is fear, and it's different things. But, um, you know, I've been talking about Brene Brown because um, she has these 80 emotions that she's trying to give a greater definition to. Only because, I mean, and we could have used any source we wanted, but I liked that she had 80. Just someone spent enough time to come up with 80. I thought it was cool, right? And I don't agree with every, I already told y'all this, I don't agree with every single thing she says. I don't even agree with, you know, several things that I've already heard her say. I don't necessarily, it's not about 
that I need to agree with everything she says. I agree that her research discovered this after talking to people. So I've talked to a lot of people in my life and the places that I have agreement with, I'm trying to bring a highlight about them so that you can have more understanding about what's going on with you. Has anyone ever had an anxiety attack? What is an anxiety attack feel like? Get really tight in your chest. Okay, well, I have and had very many of those in my life. I've probably had maybe 10 in the last maybe five years, maybe of my life. I think they've all been with Mendel pretty much. Um, but but um, the greater the weight of responsibility sometimes that we don't deal with things well, sometimes it begins to produce this pressure that we don't, uh, since since I was unaccustomed to an anxiety attack, I was unaware of what was happening at first. And so I just simply want to speak to it because it doesn't have anything to do with sin. It doesn't have anything to do with mismanagement. It has, I believe that it has more to do with, um, you know, how much pressure a situation has on us. And one of the ways, the reason why I wanted Lynn to mention what she said, one of the ways that pressure happens to humans is when we have mistrust. Because if the, the, the best place to live is under the shadow of his wing where I am fully aware that I'm fully covered and taken care of. Now, if I don't know that, or if something's happened in life to make me question that, that didn't turn out like I thought. Somebody hurt me. Has anyone been hurt by another human being ever? Anyone? Anyone? Just a couple of people? Well, great. Well, super. Um, well, I have been. You know, one of the places that I've been hurt the most is in church because that's where I spent my, the most of my time. If you're going to show up with people, right? Now, the other place I've been hurt a lot is I've owned a construction business with Pam for 30 years. I've been hurt a lot by customers there. They're just not nice all the time. They don't even have me on their minds. I don't even know what they're thinking. And they will, they will sometimes not pay me. That's just painful. Another place that really bugs me that I get hurt is in driving. I've never had a wreck. And I've only had three tickets, and that was with my red sports car, and so we don't have that anymore. And it wasn't about speeding. It was clearly the color of the car. But anyway, but what was I saying that for? Yeah, but, you know, I don't like these drivers who, you know, honk at me and when I'm not doing anything wrong. Now, you see, these are different levels of hurts. Agreed? But when we don't deal with it, now how I deal with the drivers is whoever's in the car with me, I like to inform them of what's going on in the rearview mirror. There's this idiot behind me, and he's like giving me the finger right now because like I'm in the turn lane, and I give a complete commentary just like we're at the movies, what's going on. Oh, my gosh, they got these glasses on. They got that. They got a blue shirt on. Just to let, then it's over. Right? Now, I experienced my greatest hurt in life in church. Now, that took a couple more conversations. Are you with me? 
I told her the same way. Well, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I was doing this. I was doing this. I even went to some people that I trusted, and I told them my story about how I got hurt in church. And they said, well, they shouldn't have done that to you. Now, see, that didn't help me. That didn't help me. I kept telling the story until I found somebody that could set it straight. And see, every personality is different. When you tell your story, we all have this. We all have our little elevator speech. Our speech when we pull out and someone meets us. Hi, I'm Teresa Rogers. Hi, I'm on construction business. I'm a ministry. I have a motorcycle. I see, and I have one life, and I this, and I live over here, and I have this, and I drive this car, and I own it. That's that's our elevator speech. Now, if we're really hurt, we begin to tell our story pretty quickly. On, you know. I've been to churches like this before. I hear this one all the time. You hadn't never been to church like this. Trust me. <laughs> I, I've been someplace before. Right? They start telling the story, right? Why? Because what, what are they doing? They're trying to find an answer yes. for what I consider anxiety, the place within our hearts we have no resolution for. And see, as that goes on and on and on for years, that unresolved injury creates more and more and more anxiety, more and more. And guess what? It begins to form into other entities, right? Until you can't even remember where it started. You can't remember why you're feeling like you're feeling. You can't remember their name, who they did, what they did, what the ha- when they did it. Right? It starts getting foggy because why? Other pressures and other hurts in life still keep happening, keep stacking. That's why it's so important to actually get closure and healing for things that have happened to us because your emotions don't stop. You can numb them and dumb them, you can coat them and paint them, but they keep going. And see, God wants to re, God is such a restorer. I mean, think about this. He created something so perfect in you, and you do not know it. And you found somebody that didn't know that they were perfect. And so hurt people just hurt some more people. And when does it stop? When does it stop? I say it stops with whoever will say, I have to get healing for this, I have to get this closed out. I have to get this answered. I've got to get the ice cream with the cherry on top, and I'm saying this is done, this is over. I'm moving on from here. And see, the problem is, is that with anxiety, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not at its heightened place all the time. I mean, if you're in a full-blown anxiety attack all day, every day, you would have to do something. You'd have to go get you a pill or something. A lot of people have been on anti-anxiety medicine because there's no answer. But I propose to you there's an answer. Part of it's education, part of it's healing, part of it's walking stuff out. I don't believe emotional healing should go on the rest of your life or something that happened when you were six years old. But I do believe it's possible to get a hurt on Monday. And you need to get it healed on Friday. Right? And part of the reason why it's so important to heal heal past things is because we treat others in regards to how we were hurt before. 
I can't tell you how many people think I'm going to do to them what other people did to them. And if you do anything that looks similar, you'll get blamed that you are doing what someone else did when you may not be doing it at all. Has that ever happened to you? So let's read a little bit about what she says about anxiety. And then if you have some questions, you can ask me some questions. How about that? She says anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension. This is page five. Worried thoughts and physical changes like increased blood pressure. We just mentioned that, right? You know, think about for a minute what happens. Just like this is exactly what happened to Lynn last Wednesday night. This guy called. She didn't even know what it was about. It was really about nothing. But her imagination thought, she immediately connected it to these people who were wanting us to pay for something. This was the guy that was part of the transaction. So it's like, oh my gosh, this must mean mean something bad, right? You you understand this is how it builds, right? And so you have your own stuff. You have unresolved stuff right now. Or you have stuff that you're afraid might happen. You know how we live in fear that, I don't know what, I guess... Somebody's going to come and get my shoes. I don't know. Whatever whatever your thing is, right? You know? I mean, for religious people, it's like, oh, somebody's going to find out I sinned, I guess. You know? And they're going to come and take me away. You know? For if we have... Whatever area you have an injury in, if you have injury in fear, uh, in money, then you're worried you're not going to have some. You're worried you're, you forgot to pay your taxes correctly. You're worried if you have, if you have bodily... Um, you know, sickness, and you're worried you're going to get cancer tomorrow. I mean, you know, it's just always right there knocking at the door, right? right. Whatever the... Have you ever watched a show, and whatever the commercial is, all of a sudden you've got those symptoms? <laughs> I mean, it's no different if I watch a Brahms commercial. I need a hamburger. I mean, right then? I, I mean, right? If I watch something about bugs, and I feel a bug crawling up my leg... If I watch something about some disease, you know, think about all those commercials right now that they have for pharmaceutical goods. I mean, do you remember we used to laugh about one day <laughs> they're going to have a commercial about pharmaceuticals and it's going to say, in case of, you may die if you take this. And we were like, yeah, they'll never do that. Yeah, they're doing that now. That's just part of the commercial. Right? You go play pickleball. And they make you sign a waiver to where you won't sue them if you fall down and hurt yourself. Right? Everything, do you see, the world is set up to create distrust. Without God, we, we would be checking all those boxes. Right? So that tension and that increase of blood pressure For me, it's an indicator that something is out of alignment with me and God. That's that's how I I let it speak to me. And And so I need to resolve something where I have broken trust with him. I have broken trust with another person. I am I'm I'm afraid of losing disconnection. Whatever whatever your pick is, right? Now, she talked about this um, in her video about anxiety can be both a state and trait. And she talked about how the, this is a controversial 
subjects. But let's read what she said. A state is a temporary condition that you're experiencing for a short period of time, and a trait is comp- considered to be something that's part of an individual's personality. Therefore, it's a long-term characteristic of an individual that shows through their behavior, actions, and feelings. Now, see, this is one of the reasons why I like to talk about personalities. There's four types of personalities, as you all know. Most of you know in here, right? And most introverts have similar characteristics. They don't even really like to have a label. I'm just telling you extroverts. How many are extroverts in here? Yeah. So, you know, the introverts don't like these labels. Just telling you, they just, they're not their favorite thing because they feel like they can move outside that box, right? Right, Moo? Anyway, but it's still true. They, we all sort of have a lane that we operate in. And once you learn about personalities, isn't it helpful to know that you're talking to a sanguine, right? You're talking to a cleric, right? Have you, have you, has this been helpful? And so part, to me, part of our package from God is that we have, he made us with a certain personality and he made us with certain giftings and he determined that they fit well together. So if I am an introvert and I try to be an extrovert because they, because it's an extrovert world as we know, right? Or if I... I'm a woman and I want to be a man. Now we can just identify as whatever we want, right? So, but we can't really. Because we can't operate in wholeness outside the design. We can identify as anything we want, but we're not going to operate in freedom unless we operate within the realm that he made us to be. Because your personality, your gifting, your gender, whatever... It all came in a package deal to do an assignment of God now. That's why you're here. So all these ways that we hear stuff and we get it all mixed up in our little noggin about is this um, something I was born with? Is this something I learned? All of that's true to me. There's stuff you were born with. There's stuff you learned. There's stuff that wasn't good that you learned. There's stuff that was good that you learned. There's a personality that you were born with, and every trait of your personality isn't perfect, right? Right. And if you're not careful, you'll allow your personality to happen on people without thinking, and that will cause injury. And that's true for any personality. And so anxiety can live in any personality, right? It's not just caught by just one type of person. It's not just, it doesn't just happen on someone who was raised a certain way. All of it comes down to this renewed mind posture. When my mind is changed back to the way God made me, then everything in my life begins to line up. Then it creates peace. And when peace exists, anxiety has left. But remember that if you've been prone to a lot of anxiety, you can't just do just anything. Probably not going to be able to watch a horror movie. Just saying. (laughs) You, You can't watch something that invokes that emotion externally. And see, 
we tend to not think how much we need protection. We tend to not think that peace is it's a person and it it's it had a cost. And I don't I'm not just going to have peace and just do anything I want, watch anything I want, talk to anybody I want, work anywhere I want, live anywhere I want. It's just not going to happen. And so peace comes with Jesus, but it comes as I stirred my life the way he intended. And you're never going to get away from that. Now, I can help you with anxiety. I can counsel with you about anxiety, but you can go right back out there and you can create more anxiety for yourself and you'll be right back having the same conversation, a different subject, a different day, a different year, and it just repetitively goes on and on and on because we don't change our lifestyle. And so, does it matter if it's a state or trait? To me, absolutely not. It, they, it comes in both ways. You're not just prone to anxiety because you're human. Now, see, especially in, in the psychological world, researchers talk, talk about, um, you know, like a functional anxiety. In other words, I think an example they said even on the video was, you know, if you have a big presentation at work tomorrow and you didn't prepare for it, then that's, that is a indicator in you that, hey, you're not prepared, you're nervous, you're anxious, but once you prepare, that anxiety's over. That's, I mean, I think everyone has that. I think if you were driving somewhere for an appointment and it was really important and you were late, you would have a functional amount of anxiety, right? And so that's why it's really good to understand, like for me, I don't want, 10 minutes early is late to me. So, I don't want to live in a place where I'm just on time because I don't know. I might run into a train or some traffic or a bunch of Purina trucks. I want to be early, right? So I reduce the chance because I know me, know thyself. I know me and I know that that would make me feel anxious. That would make me speed. I don't want to speed. So I set my life up to work within the realm of what I know helps me stay in peace. And see, here's what we do. We just do willy-nilly whatever we want to do with our life. And then we're like, where's the Prince of Peace? Can't you come here and fix this thing? Well, you've been doing willy-nilly. So get willy-nilly to fix it. And where, where is willy-nilly? He can fix it. You're doing, you're doing that with willy-nilly, so let him fix it, right? We don't want to use Jesus as the repairer of something and then continually, I mean, he will. But see, that that is an exhausting life. In fact, that's what all I end up doing. I don't do my assignment. I just end up going from creating anxiety for myself, letting Jesus heal it, or getting some counseling, creating more anxiety, right? Are you, are you agree? Okay. When we say that anxiety can be both a state and trait, it means that some of us feel anxiety mainly in response to certain situations. That's what I've just described, right? Know yourself. Know what creates that for you. 
while some of us may be naturally more predisposed to anxiety than others. And intolerance for uncertainty is an important contributing factor to all types of anxiety. That's really good. So let's just use this example I'm talking about getting to a location that creates uh, uncertainty. It's a really basic example. you got to transfer it to your own stuff. But uncertainty creates anxiety. So if there's things that you could do that would not be so uncertain. Now see, all the controllers, that's hard for them. That's a whole other subject, though. But, But it's not about control. It's about partnership with the Holy Spirit. You know, he, he has taught me to know myself. And so I know things about me that I want to implement to make my life feel better, to make my life feel peaceful, right? And so if you're creating uncertainty, you're already going to have some uncertainty in life, y'all. It's already going to exist. Don't make up more for yourself. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Great. It says, those of us who are generally uncomfortable with uncertainty are more likely to experience anxiety in specific situations as well as to have the trait anxiety and anxiety disorders. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know some people in this room, but have you ever been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder? If you have, you went to the doctor. And you went to the doctor for... Probably a chest pain. You probably thought you were having a heart attack, right? (laughs) That's funny, right? I mean, I love Pam's story about a little guy that she used to teach, and and, uh, he was out of school one day, and they said, where's uh, where's Josh? And uh, they, they said, well, they thought he had an appendicitis attack, and they went to the emergency room to get his appendix at, but they just found out it was gastritis. <laughs> That's yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Probably was something I needed to handle on Monday, and here I am on Friday. I didn't do it Tuesday, and I didn't do it Wednesday, and I did not do it Thursday, and here I am Friday. Now I need to go to the emergency room. So if you're prone to reacting to physical things that way, you need to set your life. That's an intolerance for uncertainty. That's what creates that. Can you see? I just feel like we can y'all see this clearly. Super. Our anxiety often leads to one of two coping mechanisms, worry or avoidance, blah, blah, blah. Now, think about coping mechanisms. You know, I hate them. But sometimes we have to do them. Sometimes we have to do them because the tension of healing is too great or too much or too many unresolved things. That's that's absolutely normal. When you first, a bunch of y'all, when you first came to One Life, you had a bunch of stuff. Do you remember you said a bunch of stuff? We couldn't fix all that one bit, right? But, you know, just like what we did yesterday, how we shared our offensive points, those all came from injuries. If you really just look back at those. And so 
it's not even new knowledge, but measure like where were you with that topic pre one life and where are you since it, since this is a center to train you to be your own leader first. We're not just here to hear a good word, although we can. We're here to actually learn to steward our lives. You have the responsibility to steward you and your soul. I do not. I'm just the coach. And so you have to take this information and go implement it because I'm not going to show up at your house and I'm not going to make sure you're implementing any of this. Right? You've got to have value for this one life that you have and implement a structure within it that pleases God and that propels you into peace in your future. And see, that's why you have to look. If you're a worrier... It, it is literally something led to that. Yeah. It's just a coping mechanism to not deal with anxiety. You just made up a... <laughs> you, listen, you just made up a bunch of scenarios you don't have answers to yet. And so then your language, we're talking about language. Your language is to speak about it just like it is. That doesn't take any faith at all. See, I'm trying to teach you to speak about it. The the mere ability to see it, everyone has. But do I have the ability to go to heaven and say, well, what should that be? That should be a black carpet square, not that. So I got to go give me a black carpet square from the carpet square heaven location. And I've got to realize that's why I see it. I don't see it to say, well, that's just a crappy situation. Man, they're losers. They're sick. You're just stating the obvious. You're just, they don't take nothing. Put on some new glasses for a little bit. And begin to intercede about something and pray about something long enough to get a dream about it at least. Mendel, she had a dream about me during the night. And it, she woke up today and told me this dream about She didn't even know what it was about. And I was just looking at her going, I don't, I don't even like that dream. I was, a, I was a little bit frustrated today. And she dreamed about somebody having tea and being frustrated. And I was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. I had to own that thing. Right? See, we have to remember that that just stating the obvious of the natural world has nothing to do with supernatural activity. God, right now, if you don't remember anything else I said, you have been placed on the planet and you know Jesus to make the planet look like heaven. You may not be good at it. This may be the first you've heard of it. And you don't know that's your assignment. But it's your assignment. And if you will begin to try to express his heart over situations, you'll find favor and blessing. You'll find anointing. You'll find purpose. And you'll begin to see things transform right before your very eyes. It may take a little effort on your part. 
And guess what? All of that that you do, when Jesus comes back on his high white horse, he'll have a reward in his hand to give to you. You're his reward. So do something like he did to get his reward for your life. That makes it all simple, doesn't it? Oh, y'all didn't get very excited about that. Worry or avoidance. So what's avoidance? I call it the ostrich with her head in the sand. Just wait long enough. My favorite movie line on that is Walk the Line about Johnny Cash. And he's saying, June, it's okay, June. It just always works out. And she said, Johnny, it doesn't always work out. Somebody's always working it out for you, and you just don't even know it. That's avoidance. It always works out. No. Somebody's working it out. Somebody's praying, somebody's seeking, somebody's doing something on your behalf that you don't even know, and somebody's working it out if you're not. Don't make somebody else work out your own salvation. You're supposed to be working it out with fear and trembling. You're supposed to be working it out, working it out. What is workout? It's working it out. It's working it out. It's, it is in there saying, change me, remake me. It's in there saying, do something with my life. Make, anoint me. It's saying, let me go back to the drawing board. If that didn't work, let me figure out what I did wrong. It's not saying, well, I tried that once back in 1972. Nothing happened. So I guess that's just not God's will for my life. I'm just not led to healing by it because I think the main man's supposed to be doing that stuff. The main holy man. I'll call the pastor of the church and he'll come over to my house and pray for me. You pray for you. And then go to your neighbor's house and pray for them too. Avoidance. Why would we avoid? It's like hiding. Why hide? I mean, not only can God see it, but everybody knows you can see it. Right? It's weird, right? Once you start being a little bit, remember I said last week, the feeling of letting someone see something you're struggling with is the feeling of vulnerability. You haven't done anything yet. Right? But once you give someone a chance... To give you some truth about something that's a repeat cycle for you. You know, I think I I think I took a picture of it today. The boundary guy, Dr. Cloud. Let me see if I did. Oh, I think I did it on my computer. Hold on. It may be fun if I can find it. Henry. Henry said this. When you are dealing with a reoccurring pattern, there is less hope that just a conversation or a little correction is going to help. It requires a boundary. Not just a little conversation. You know, it was interesting. I was thinking, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and, and they were telling me how that when they talk to somebody, they think 
that when they just illuminate to them something that they're doing, they think that that person is like, okay, I see. I see them doing that and that they've changed. But the truth is there needs to be proof of change. I mean, just think if we set up our lives and the world set up its life that way, that you would say to somebody, hey, that's really hurtful. And they said, well, thanks for telling me. But they said, hey, I want to prove to you I've changed. We don't even require any of that. We're just like, oh, it's okay. I'll forgive you again. Okay, well, I'll forgive you again. Okay. And then we create professional apologizers. Because no matter what, they're sorry. You know? They're sorry. We're sorry. Aren't we sorry? We're sorry. We're sorry. Aren't you sorry? Don't you feel bad? Aren't you sorry? Sorry isn't change. Listen, own your own stuff. Be an owner of your stuff. If you don't get anything else tonight, own your stuff and be willing to set up your life in a way that change has to happen. I had another story, but bring it. Unfortunately, neither of these coping strategies is very effective. Say that to yourself. Worry doesn't work. Avoidance doesn't work. Make a promise tonight that you will actually pay attention when you're worrying and when you're avoiding and actually do something different. Anxiety is really talking. And anxiety came from a place you've been hurt, you don't trust God, you don't trust people. Go deal with the right thing. I mean, if we would just all deal with the right thing, we wouldn't have to have actually so many conversations. Agreed? It says worrying, worrying and anxiety go together, but worry is not an emotion. It's the thinking part of anxiety. Do y'all know what that means? What does that mean? Yes. So when an anxious thought comes, it creates a bunch of scenarios for me to think about, worry about. If that thing didn't exist, if that place of whatever it is, a hurt, a mistrust, whatever it is, if that didn't exist, it wouldn't create all these scenarios. How many have it in the physical world? Like one moment... Your knee hurts, and the next thing you know, you got brain cancer. How did that even happen? I mean, like nothing's even going on up here. Right? I mean, you know, I mean, I have it. I have that. I'll just be sitting there the day I had a little pain somewhere. I was like, oh, man, what if I have? Stop. (laughs) Lord Jesus, I just started saying, thank you, Papa, that I just walk in divine healing. I've got to have a river flowing out my mouth because the enemy's like, hey, you got that. Hey, you got that. Hey, you got that. Listen, if you've lived as long as I have, whatever the message that's going through the world. Remember when COVID hit? I was literally zero afraid of COVID. How many of y'all were afraid to get COVID? Be honest. So see, right there, it's because it's the end thing. COVID's the thing that's being talked about the most. Right? 
It's whatever's the end thing. That's what the enemy rides on. And the more we watch about it, whatever I behold, I become it. So the more I look at it and look at it and read about it and watch stories about it. Listen, I've tried this. Stop looking at stuff that scares you. Do you know? Do you know what scares you? Stop looking at it. Stop watching that. Just stop. You're the one that's inviting it. Think about it like this. that You just like, you open all the doors in your house and all the windows in your house. And you're like, man, I hope it doesn't get cold in here and it's 20 below zero outside. It's like that. You open up all the ways to invite anything but peace. And then you wonder, why am I, can I not sleep? I can't think why I can't sleep, even though I just watched that murder mystery right before I went to bed. I just got through watching CSI. I was solving that. I don't know why I couldn't sleep. Dreaming about death and mayhem. Maybe I should. Be, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, God can't even get in there. All for what? Entertainment? What is it for? I mean, are you going to be a CSI person? No. I mean, especially when we're trying to combine our creativity to ourselves. What comes? Can you not see what comes out of a source of that? Right. Crap in. YouTube in. Listen, it's just, if you're just going to be an echo of everybody else, just say it. Say, well, I I have no intention of being an original. I have no intention of being creative. I'm just going to watch everybody else's art. I'm just going to watch everybody else's message. I'm just going to watch everybody else's book. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to watch TV shows and lay in bed. And that's what I'm going to do and eat bonbons and go to Brahms all the time and eat Andy's and I'm good. That's not me. Are you going with me? I'm going. going. Right? You can't create God stuff out of loose stuff. Ah. Okay. I think I'm going to stop here. Wait, how many more do I have? Oh, I can. Let me finish these, okay? I won't talk about any of them. I don't want to leave you hanging on worry. Worry is described as a chain or stacker of negative thoughts about bad things that might happen in the future. Avoidance is the second coping strategy. It's not showing up and often spending a lot of energy zigzagging around and away from that thing that already feels like it's consuming us. Can you be honest? Who does that? Listen, quit zigzagging. See, you've got to have the resources within you to help people not avoid. It's way harder to help people not avoid than it is just say, all right, go stick your little head somewhere. Just go ahead. Check me later. When you get all calmed down, you untriggered, I'll, I'll be here. It's way harder in the middle of a trigger. Say, hey, you're tr- come close. You're triggered. Let me help you. How many are fleers when, they're get, when they get triggered? Well, see, you're missing. You're an avoider. 
Yeah, I know. Who's fighters? I know. Y'all are all, y'all are the fight. I'm a fleer, so those fight people scare me. But listen, <laughs> listen, both directions, when you're triggered, remember we learned this about 14 years ago, not to fight or flight, right? But actually to stay in and have a, an adult conversation. Okay? And so then there's, it's not fatal. It's not fatal. When you're triggered, it's not fatal. You're not going to die right there. Right? Don't even try to get out of the trigger. Try to tell somebody you're triggered out loud. They can already see it. You're acting like a buffoon. Just tell them. I am acting like a fool because I am triggered right now. Right? The fighter people just want to punch something. I'm always like, here's a pillow. Punch it. Here's Pam. Punch Pam. <laughs> Do something. Break up. Make, give it some levity because the trigger is so big. Yes. No zigzagging. Yes. Tell yourself, no zigzagging. Yes. Anxiety and excitement feel the same. Wow. How many love roller coasters? Listen, I've been on some big, bad roller coasters in my life. Uh huh. Back when, you know, they were cutting your legs off, like my mom said. It's the same feeling. It's the same feeling. I mean, everything in me is... I mean, when you're standing there at the Hulk and you know you're fixing to go zero to 70 in two and a half seconds, you're going to be shot out like a bullet. That moment feels the same as anxiety. What if, what if while you're all up anxious and all, you can know that information? This isn't fatal. This isn't fatal. Yeah. I'm about to get on a roller coaster. I don't really like them. That's Mendel. She doesn't really like them. She doesn't really like to watch them. Right? Who doesn't like roller coasters? Have Have you ever been on one? No. Have you? You don't like them? Well, I'm glad y'all got married to each other then. I love them. Like, they are the biggest... I want to go right now. It's the same as anxiety. I love this. She says, how we interpret and label them can even determine the experience of them. Are you this self-aware? Are you this self-aware that you in the moment... You could give different language instead of saying, I'm freaking out. Are you this self-aware or do you have this much self-control? Listen, you could you could practice this. I, I can do this. I know it takes a while. I know I'm old and I've been doing this a lot longer than y'all. But listen, it's really good to be able to say what's really happening to you. I told Mendel in the green room while ago, I said, I'm not feeling very spiritual tonight. So I bet it's going to be an awesome night. Because guess what? It's not about me. It's not about if I feel a certain way. 
just saying it helps me know it's not about me. We always act like everything's going to happen just according to how we feel about it. It's not. Okay, I can't talk anymore. Dread occurs frequently in response to high probability negative events. Its magnitude increases as the dreaded event draws near. Listen, dread is a big deal. It's a big deal. We've set our lives up to be afraid of stuff that we don't have to be afraid of. You know, I would say this, that I, if you experience a lot of dread and decisions, I would really go with the, before the Holy Spirit and ask Him if you're supposed to be doing all those decisions. You know, we have a lot of obligation heaped upon us, especially in the religious community. We're to love, we got to do certain things and all these things. We have no boundaries. And we get ourselves in dread in situations we dread a lot. I think you need to ask the Holy Spirit, is this really of you? It might be Him saying, hey, you're not going to be protected there. Have you ever dreaded something and went and did it and then realized why you were dreading? Guess what? Whatever. For anxiety and dread, the threat is in the future. For fear, the threat is now, in the present. Fear is a negative, short-lasting, high-alert emotion in response to a perceived threat. And like anxiety, it can be measured as a state or trait. Some people have higher propensity to experience fear than others. Why is that? If you've had a lot of tragedy and trauma in your life, that's why that's what I'm saying. Know yourself. You maybe not you maybe don't get to do everything. There are certain movies I can never watch. Why even? I mean, if I if I read the description, I'm like, nope. I don't even need to, I don't even need my curiosity to be satisfied. It's just a no. There are certain restaurants I can't go to. There are certain times I can't go to restaurants. Know thyself. Know where you can go and what you can do. Why keep creating scenarios of dread and fear and anxiety when you could actually just hear the Holy Spirit when He's like, no. Now there's times where the Holy Spirit says, go there, someplace I don't want to go, and I know why. Because He's leading me to touch somebody that's there. That's why everything has to, we are the followers. Why would Jesus lead us to something that created fear? No. Fear arises when we need to respond quickly to physical or psychological danger that is present and imminent. Because fear is a rapid-fire emotion, the physiological reaction can sometimes occur before we even realize that we're afraid. There it is. Fight, flight, or freeze. Right? So, I... That last page that's on your handout, I'm not going to discuss. I just thought it would be great for you to understand there's a difference between feelings and emotions. And I think it would be good for you to kind of revisit it and look at it. And next week, I plan to go over part five, which I have here, which I've been trying to go over for the last three weeks, but I haven't. So, but the top of it is comparison, and it says, is the thief of joy. So that's next week. Come on, Mendel. I didn't turn it on. Thank you, Tisa. Such a good practical teaching, isn't it?
Well, I, I thought it was interesting. You know, the verse that comes to my mind that's be anxious for nothing in the Bible. So I looked it up and in the NIV, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I think when I used to read this verse, because I have struggled with anxiety most of my life, and I've been healed of it mostly, I'd say about, I want to say 95%. I feel like I'm 95% healed. I feel like I'm going to go with 95. Always, always the journey continues, right? We're always, he's always healing us, bringing us into more and more of our salvation. Anyways, when I used to read this verse, because I had so much anxiety, I would think, present your request to God. So my request would be, well, make that thing stop or make this fear go away, you know, solve the situation that I thought, whatever I thought was scaring me, I would, I, that would be my request. But I'm hearing it a little bit differently tonight and in connection with what the Holy Spirit's been saying, because, you know, I like to connect. The Holy Spirit's always leading us each week. Sunday to Wednesday, Sunday to Wednesday, there's a whole theme. And if you know, he's been talking to us about coming into alignment with his truth. And I've, I've even been thinking over and over in my mind about the spirit of alignment, the spirit of alignment. That's one of the spirits that Jesus carries is a spirit of alignment, where he brings our soul, our mind, will and emotions into alignment with him if we'll participate with him, with God's truth. And, and we've talked a lot about how he's doing that right now on earth on every level, including in our own souls and our own hearts and minds. And he's bringing us into alignment with him. And so it was interesting when I looked in the interlinear Bible about the original word for be anxious, be anxious for nothing, right? The anxious word there is actually derived from a word that means drawn in opposite directions, divided into parts, to go to pieces because of being pulled apart in different directions. And so I love what Tisa was sharing tonight that, um, that the worry and the avoidance were just coping mechanisms for anxiety. And in our culture, we have come to, I think the culture gives us, I don't know, it makes it um, a medical condition to have anxiety, like it's something you can't do anything about. Now, and I'm not saying there's any condemnation and in, in in having anxiety in, at all, um, but I think that God has made a way for us to be healed. And I think the truth of the matter is that, like she was saying, the truth is if you are experiencing anxiety in a subject in a certain place, then there's something that's out of alignment with him. And there's no condemnation if you're experiencing that. But we don't want to just accept that. That's just who I am. And I'm going to live with that the rest of my life because healing is available. And we can take this on a case-by-case -case basis. So if you're feeling anxious for something, we can go to him. And instead of just presenting our request for what we want to no longer feel anxious about, we could say, can you show me where I'm out of alignment with your truth? Can you bring me back into alignment with your truth in this area? To be divided, that's incredible, isn't it? To be divided, because that's what we are talking about lately, about being double-minded. In fact, the other day, I told Tisa that, that I wanted to get a literal plumb line and hang it in my room after I found out that was a thing. 
So I could be reminded, you know, plumb line, the way I picture it from what she's described is a, is a, a, a line, a string like with a weight at the end of it that you can always tell exactly where the line is. And so I was going to hang that in my room to remind me that I'm coming into alignment with him always. And it's not blurry. There aren't two lines. There's just one line. There's one line. So he's bringing us out of, um, out of double-mindedness in every area. So on Sunday morning, I actually woke up and I was feeling really frazzled. And I wrote this word. And Tisa actually wanted me to read this on Sunday, but I read a different word. I thought she was talking about a different word, so I read that one. But now I'm going to read this one for you. And I, I want to present it to you as this is just our posture. This is something that we can pray and that we can say in these moments when we are feeling anxiety and we just recognize that we're out of alignment somewhere. Our heart is responding to something that's not his truth. So this is what I wrote. Papa, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are my only hope. My heart is fractured, but, but laying in your hands. My heart is fractured, but laying in your hands. Only you can breathe life back into it. Only you can cause it to beat again, to keep rhythm with you again. You are the orchestra leader of this instrument of love that you gave me. You are its timekeeper. You set the key for the song it sings. There is no other. That's our choice, right? That's what a statement we make to him. There's no other. So I'm just telling him, no, I said I would serve you. I said that you're the leader of my heart. I've chosen this. So now bring me into that reality. There is no other. There is no other place authorized to lead the music of this heart of mine. Once it was led by something out of tune by a teacher who didn't know you, but now it has seen and more importantly felt the touch of the one who really knows love. Like kind, recognize the beat. Like kind, recognize the sound it had always wanted to sing. Finally, it found someone who could unlock its own song, one who could calm its irregular rhythm and bring it into harmony with the true sound of love. You are this one, Jesus. You are this one. You are the only one. So, Papa, let no other dictate the song of my heart. Let no other strike a note that it now knows is irregular. No, you are the orchestra leader of this instrument of love. This heart of mine came from you. It knows you. It is led only by you. You teach me the true definition of love and lead me to walk into its fullness. You and only you. So let no other come along and sing some other dull, sad song. <laughs> Speak to this heart in me today. Speak to the notes inside and cause them to rise. Cause Call to life, call to life its song inside. Tell it to sing of the love it now knows, how love's truest definitions have found their home. Sing over me today, Papa. Set the key. Sing the note. Call my heart to a rhythm that is your own. Every day I have this choice to place this instrument of love in your hands. I choose today to once again make this delicate surrender. 
I place this heart, this soul full of emotion into your hands. It's yours to hold, yours to mold, to shape, and to play. It's your instrument of love once again today. So align it with true love in every way. Hold this heart of mine today. It's yours to play. It's a delicate surrender of all I hold dear. It's a delicate surrender of my most fragile places. I trust you with this today. I trust you with this delicate surrender. So I hope that you could make that prayer and just picture that. I like for these words to paint a picture for you where you can actually start to see your own soul as an instrument, a musical instrument, as a heart, a a musical instrument that God wants to play. And just like you had, you know, if, if when Aaron's guitar is out of tune up here, he tunes it before we start worship. You know, he doesn't just play it anyways. You know, and we can see ourselves that way. If, if we thought of it as a musical instrument, we wouldn't go out and just let it play out of tune. And so when you feel something off, when you feel that some kind of anxiety or worry or fear come in, we can just say, I remember I chose to say this instrument was yours. So tune it for me right now. So I love the Passion Translation, and I want to close up by reading Philippians 4, 6, and I'm going to read 7, 2 in the Passion Translation. I love Brian Simmons and how he translated this. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Remembering prayer is just talking to him, like we just did in this word, just talking to him. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God. Faith-filled. As I said in this word, I know what you know. I know the choice I've already made. I know your ability to bring me in alignment. That's the faith-filled part. It's not being faith-filled so that I get my own way and my anxiety is resolved that way. It's faith-filled because we know who he is. With overflowing gratitude, we know, I hope you know by now, the power of operating in gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Tell him every detail of your life. We aren't supposed to wait till things blow up and then talk to him. We should talk to him when the anxiety first hits us, when the fear first comes in. Every detail. Then God's wonderful peace. This is verse 7. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. And again, I want to propose the answer is solid truth. When you get anxiety or fear resolved this way, it actually creates a new history and it builds a new foundation of truth that will serve you well going into your future, well beyond that one circumstance. So, Papa, we just want to say thank you today. Thank you for all that you have pre-provided for us. Thank you for the grace that you have already provided, the supernatural power to actually make this choice. It does feel like a delicate surrender. It feels like surrendering something that's fragile and that feels broken and can feel scary. But thank you that you've already given us the supernatural power and courage to present it to you. That's our faith-filled process right there. 
It's not necessarily going out and doing something just because we're afraid. It's coming to you and saying, I know who you are. I know because of the seed of faith you put in me, who you are and what you have done in my life so far and what your promises say you can do. So I will run to you when I'm afraid. I will run to you when I am anxious. I will run to you when I'm worried and I will do it at the earliest stage possible so that you can build a new foundation in me. So I just thank you, Papa, that you have supplied each person in this room with the courage and the power and the soundness of mind to do that in those moments. And I thank you for your faithfulness to answer us and to bring us the peace that passes understanding. So we just say yes and amen to you. And we say we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.